praise as well. We're, our scripture song, scripture verses this morning are found in Psalm 77, verses 4 to 15. So if you have brought a Bible, you could take that out and follow along. If not, there should be a Bible in the pew in front of you. Or if you want to simply sit and listen to the Word of God, be reading from Psalm 77, 4 to 15. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promised failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. Let's pray. Father, I know it's true for me and probably true for all of us here. At some time or another, we've had a pity party. We've gotten to where we think you don't love us anymore, or that you've forsaken us, something's going wrong in our lives. We don't see your hand and what you're doing, and our emotions get away from us, and we question whether you're still good, whether you still care, whether you still love us, whether your mercy and grace are still there. But like David, every one of us can look back in our life and say, wow, how foolish. I can see hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of times in my life that you have shown so much mercy and grace that I did not deserve. Every day, your mercies are new. Great is your faithfulness. Help us to not let Satan trick us into believing those lies and to letting those emotions have control of our hearts, but to rehearse in our minds and our hearts the wonderful deeds, the amazing mercies and graces and blessings that you lavish on us every day. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Great to see all of you here at Hope Bible Church this last Sunday of the year. Quite amazing. And we don't give out pins here, but some of you may have been here every Sunday of the year. I don't know. But uh, it's encouraging to see you all. I know, I know most of you have been here most of the time. I do know that. But it's, it's so good to be together as a church, and we're thankful for that. So this message, I, these last two weeks, been planning different things. So I didn't start this till Monday. Usually I start, like, um, you know, a while back. 
but God wanted it, you know, and then we had printer problems, so here's Friday night, Marsha and I are in our office, and we're working on the printer, so we can get this thing printed and everything else, so, but again, it's good to see you here on this day, this December 31st, 2023. Indeed, we're at the end of 2023, ready to start a new year, and as Christians, we need perspective. We need to see the big picture. We need to see where we've come from and where we're going, and today, then, we're going to look at the past. And looking at the past then has, has a, really a, a profound effect on our relationship with God and also on how we live today and tomorrow and really then the rest of our lives. So how should we look at the past? What does God want us to think about the past? There's many things we could say. The first thing we need to say, Steve mentioned this, I believe, in his prayer, is be thankful. We're to give thanks to God for everything, every situation, every blessing, every problem, every good thing, every bad thing. Ephesians 5.20 says it well, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so important that we're thankful. When we give thanks, we're looking to God. We're recognizing the work of God. We then are expressing our gratitude to God for what then he has been doing in our lives, the lives of others. And we're seeing that God is sovereign. Thankfulness helps you to see that God is sovereign, that he's in control of all things, even the bad things of life. And to be thankful, then, is that which helps you, then, to see that God is working all things together for good in your life. And you need to know that, that God is working. It's for your good and good of others and, of course, for the glory of God. Second, we're to think about, we're to meditate on the deeds of the Lord, on the works of God. There are so many things that happen in our lives, every one of you. You know this. So many things that happen day by day, week by week, throughout the year. And we need to really think about these. And we need to see that God is at work in the things that take place in and around and through our lives. We need to understand that. And we need then to see that God is faithful, that God is good, that God is holy and loving and wise in all things. And that's one of the themes we'll see today is, is this understanding the character of God as we look at, then at the works of God. Turn to Psalm 145. I, I believe we're pretty much looking at all psalms today for our primary text as we think about the past and how that affects our lives, how it should then encourage us to keep living for the Lord. But Psalm 145, 3 to 8, we'll come back to 1 and 2 later. But 3 to 8, it says, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty. And on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. We read about the wonderful works of God, the awesome acts of God. And they're stated in different ways in those few verses. And what's clear in that one verse is we're to meditate, we're to think about these works of God. And when we do, again, we see the character of God. He's gracious and merciful, that he's slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness or great in loving kindness. And so the works of God then, the things of God, the things that God does show God's character, that is show us what God is like. And as Christians, it's very important that we know what God is like. And thinking then about the works of God, thinking about the things that God does in and around our lives and in other people's lives all over the place, helps us then to better see the character of God. So, so important. At the end of the day then, 
toward the end of the week or the end of the month or end of the year, then we need to be ones who are, are, are thinking about what has happened and recognize then what God has done and then see the character of God in these works. That's what God wants us to do. Being a Christian, then it's a matter of a little bit of thinking. It's not just letting your mind go astray. It's thinking about what's going on and thinking then about what God is doing. A simple one, we've shared this verse, but the example is, is good and simple to share. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and, and love, or surely goodness and mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. Okay? And so the application is simple. If you say, hey, I'm going to uh, make a, a goal this year, I have a resolution. <laughs> Every day I want to think about how God has shown his love and goodness to me. Well, do that then. It's simple. Every night, 9 o'clock, 10, 11, or during the day, think about how God is showing you or has been showing you his goodness and love. Think about it. And I can't help but think you do that every day of the year. Your heart's going to be stirred with the love of God. Every day. That's what we're talking about here, the character of God. In every day God is showing you his goodness and love, but most of the time, I hate to say this, most of the time we don't see it. We don't think about it. That is, think about the things that are going on. Think about the things that are happening. The fact that we had good meals all year. You're all here this day, right? We've been having good food all year long. Thankful for the food that God then gives you. Turn next to Psalm 112, 1 to 6. Another passage that illustrates some of these points. Different perspectives, but really some of the same overall themes. It says in verse 1, we'll start there, verse 1 to 6. Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. I think we should go to Psalm 111, okay? Excuse me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> verse 1 of 111. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart and the company of the upright in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to uh, his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. So we read about the works of God there, don't we? All about the works of God, the acts of God, the miracles of God. It says there, one interesting verse, says, the works of the Lord are studied by all who delight in them. You all know what the word study means. You get something, you really look at it. Not just a casual glance or a casual read. You're studying the works of God. That is, we are to think about the works of God. We are to study the works of God. We're to ponder them. We're to really think, hey, what is going on here? I mean, again, you can take a lot of time doing this, and we should take time to think about the works of God and, to, and, and what is God, what's God doing? Where is he going with these things? And we do that, what we see in these verses here. This is a summary. We see that God is majestic. We see that God is wonderful. We see that God then is one who's gracious and compassionate and powerful. We see that God then is one who is righteous and just and holy and awesome. All these different character qualities that I just mentioned here, very simply, very quickly, are found here. Are found here, okay, in this, this chapter here. And what this results in is, is clearly stated here. And that's giving praise to God for who he is and thanks to God for what he does. That is, looking at the works of God should result in us giving praise and thanks to God. We continue. Turn to Psalm 77. Steve read this. I will read part of it again. Very instructive for us. The, um, 
part of the theme of this psalm is, is you read the first few verses and the person is quite discouraged. He's quite bummed out by circumstances of life, the difficulties, conflicts, whatever it might be. He's, he's not doing so good, and the instruction then is given what he is to do, and it's very, very applicable then to each one of us. But here are some of the main points from this passage. Well, let me read these verses, these verses again, 11 to 15. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. That's instructive, right? I'm going to remember what God has done. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. But God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have, by your power, redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Just a few things. Okay, what are some of the main points we want to just gather from these few verses. First, we're to remember the deeds of the Lord. We're not to forget what God has done. Like the Israelites in Psalm 78, they forgot his deeds. Psalm 106, 13, they quickly forgot his works. One of the biggest problems with the Israelites is they forgot what God had done. They forgot, you see. But it's not just remembering. It's more than that. We'll talk more about that. And so we're not to forget the deeds, the works of God. We're to remember what God has done. So the things that happened this past year, and I'm not saying every single day, every single detail, but highlights, at least, or overall patterns or themes. God wants you to remember what he's done. Secondly, these deeds are wonders. They're not just deeds. I was looking up on the Hebrew, this word, what does this all mean? They're amazing. They're astonishing. They're marvelous deeds. That's how it's defined this, these words here. Verse 14 says, you are the God who works wonders. These works are not just ordinary human works that any person could do. They are divine, majestic works that only God can do. We must see that difference. We must understand that. So this is the way that you need to think about the past, and this is in general the way you need to think about life. You need to see that God is working wonders, okay? You'd be looking for these things like diamonds in the rough. God is working wonders in your life, Lives of people around you, people in this church, people in this country, in the world. He's working. He's working all over the place. That's what God is doing. He's always, always working. And sometimes when I, I say wonders, it's not maybe some huge, spectacular thing. Whoa, look what happened. But maybe it's that special thing in your own heart, your own life. And it's the wonder of God. God does smallish wonders, and he does the big wonders. You understand what I'm saying. Third year to meditate. We say this again. Word appears again. You're to meditate on the work of God. You're to muse on. You're to study the deeds of the Lord. It's easy for us, and we all do this. We think about what we are doing. We think about our situation or our problems or whatever. We, we think, okay, I'm not saying that's all wrong. But most importantly, we are to think about what God is doing. Get our eyes off our little works that may not mean that much or they may mean something but our eyes on the wonderful works of God himself. That's what we are to do. Again, whether it's your life or the lives of others. And I, I'm going to keep saying that because sometimes we're so focused on ourselves. Okay, now you're thinking about your life all the time. No. Yes, think what God's doing in your life, but also think about what's he doing in other people's lives. What's he doing in my wife's life or my kid's life or your lives? Or what, what's he doing? A very, very, very important point here. When we do this, we see... That is, when we think about the works of God, we meditate, we study the works of God, we then see, see 
the overall purpose and plan of God, we see the ways of God. That is, we won't just see one single work when you start thinking this way. Yes, you can think about one single thing that happened. You start thinking, you're expanding your mind, you're thinking about the works of God in and around and through your life, etc., etc. You start doing that then, we're not just thinking about one single work. We're, we're thinking about how all these works fit together. Got it? There's a pattern to the works of God in your life and the lives of others. The simplest example is this. is My daughter had a baby back on October 10th. It just, just, just popped out of her <laughs> that, that Wednesday afternoon at 1 o'clock. It didn't happen. We all understand it's a process. Months, nine months, and we're going through it with her, you know, and we're on the Internet, and we're looking at little pictures of the baby when it's a month old inside and two months. And whoa. And I do not, and nobody knows how many individual acts or works were done in, that, in Laura's little womb there to create that baby. Billions? All the little things, all the reactions that happened. As it says, and you know, Psalm 139, fearfully and wonderfully made is that baby inside. Fearfully and wonderfully made. But, but the, again, a, a way to a point that all these separate acts that lead to this baby. It's a process, and that's the way God works with us. All these separate things that go on that have meaning and pattern, and look what happens. We see there's the result. There's the ways of God. That's what we're saying. For example, think about one who's crocheting. We're not looking at just one single stitch. We're looking at the big picture. We're seeing how all the stitches fit together, that there's a reason for the work, and that it's a beautiful, wonderful design that was created and now is being made. See, same, same thing here. So too, God's work is a detailed work. And all these details, all these minute works of God in your life come together in one beautiful design, okay? That is one overall larger work, or we call here the ways of God. And then this is the way of God. We're talking about the works of God, and we're talking about the ways of God. We're talking about both things together. Please understand the works of God then lead to in our lives and others, God's ways being developed, taking place, happening in our lives. So I, I say that because we're thinking about this last year, and you might think of all the individual different things that happened, and that's fine. But there's a pattern, a pattern that God's trying to work in your life. That's what he's trying to do. So what are some of the big takeaways? What are some of the big things? I'm not going to answer those for you. You have to think yourself. What's God been doing in your life this past year? Psalm 103, 7. Psalm 103, 7. It says, God made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. You get where we're at, right? The ways and the acts, the ways and the works, the ways and the deeds. They're two different things, but they're connected. They're definitely related. They have to be connected. A few thoughts on this. First, they're the ways of God. And the acts of God. The acts of God speak of specific situations, specific works of God. It might be a specific relationship or a specific trial or a specific blessing or event. And the ways of God then are speaking of God's overall work, overall work and plan and purpose in our life. The ways of God then is the big picture. Okay, that's, that's what we're saying here. Let's say God's teaching to be humble. Okay? And there's one, one, 
uh, thing that happened. But typically, if he's teaching humility, it's not just one thing. He's trying to really change some areas of maybe pride in your life. There's another thing, another situation, another trial. Maybe in the course of six months, there's 10 or 20 or 30. Whoa, whoa. See what I'm saying? The works of God and the way of God. That's what we're saying. So you have specific trials, different acts of God, but then you have the way of God that through all these different acts and God then is helping you to be humble. That's what we're saying. Now, you could take this for any, any word. I mean, I was coming here today, and I was, and, and Marcia knows this. Sometimes i got to be more patient driving. I, they're, they're, I could list off five cars that did this or did that and turned in this. Whoa. Okay, Steve, just take it easy. You'll get to church. It's fine. Just take it easy. So patience, okay? But just one trip, 20-minute trip to work, half a dozen. Well, this is an abnormal day. But, but, but think about this. Let me give you some other examples. Let's say, say God's teaching to be loving. There's person X out there you have a hard time with. Then there's person Y, then person Z, then person A, B. He's teaching to be loving. And it's not just one situation. It might be. It might be one big one, but it might be a whole bunch of them. Or faith. Well, he's teaching me to trust him. That's one situation. There's another situation. Trust him in this. Trust him in that. Trust. You see what I'm saying? What are the ways of God? We talk about the ways of God. We're talking about this big picture. You Growing in faith. Growing in love. Growing in kindness. Growing in being holy. Growing in wisdom whatever it might be. That's what I'm saying. You start thinking about the works of God. Again, they're wonderful, and sometimes trials may not seem so wonderful, but it's a work of God that God gives you so that you can learn to be the person he wants you to be. And there may be a whole series of them that oftentimes that's the way it is. That's what I'm saying here. And so when you think about the acts of God in life, then God shows you how his acts in your life then relate to his ways in your life. That's a key point. Think about the acts of God, the works of God, the deeds of God in your life, and think about how that then relates to the ways of God, what God is doing in more of a bigger picture. Oh, he's teaching to be loving. He's teaching more faith. I think I better step back. Okay, God, you do what you want. Okay, I got it. I'm, I'm learning here now. You've given me six or seven situations the last week alone in this one area. Okay, help me to learn. God, help me. And you pray. You ask God to help and that's what he wants to do. Next point on this Psalm 103. says, God has made known to you his acts and ways. What we're talking about is a divine and supernatural work of God in your life. And only God can truly reveal and make known to you his ways and his acts. That, that's, that, that's, that's true. I mean, unbelievers or really young Christians are just oblivious to what's going on. And we ought not to be like that. And so let's say God's teaching to be humble. And let's say after maybe five different situations in the last two weeks about humility, oh, God makes it clear. He's teaching to be humble, you see. That's, that's what we're saying. So, so that's what, there's verses, and it happens, I don't know how many times, I haven't counted them up in Psalm 119, but teach me, teach me, teach me. God is my teacher. He teaches you not just his word, but he teaches his ways in your heart. That's what I'm saying here. Next, God made known his ways to Moses and his works to the, his acts to the Israelites. That's interesting. See the difference? What's going on here? Moses was a mature believer. And God could make known his ways to Moses. That is what he could do. Just like children, and you know, this are lacking in real understanding about the ways of life. So too, young Christians, 
They may see the acts of God, but they don't see the ways of God. That's what we're saying in general. It's a general principle. So, I mean, the example of, of the Israelites is clear. They're out in the desert. What's going on there? Oh, yeah, I, I see the water coming from the rock. Oh, I see the manna coming from heaven. But they don't see God. They don't see God because what's to say? They quickly forget. They go back to the ways and they worship idols. I mean, to worship idols from knowing that God gave you water, something's not connected in their brains and their hearts. But see, we're like that too, right? We forget. We get worried again, upset again, mad again, whatever the situation might be. Says, God says, I, I told you that before. Don't you get these lessons I'm trying to teach you? We are oftentimes quite stubborn. You know that. I'm like that myself. God is teaching us and is extremely, extremely patient. That's what he is. And so you have to look to God and learn from God to know what's going on in your life, what's the acts of God, the ways of God, some combination thereof. That is, you, you, you need then not look at your life from your own human perspective. It's imperative that you look at your life from God's perspective. So we're talking about looking and thinking about our life. You're thinking about, well, there's God's truth. There's God's character. There's God's purpose. All these things about God then come into play are factors then when you think about the ways of God in your life, resulting then from the works of God, you see. That's important to understand. So next point, God's work in your life is continuous that is, God's work in your life does not stop. It goes day after day after day after day. That's what happens. I think of our lives like a line, like a smooth line. And being a, a math guy, a numbers guy, I like lines. And you all know it's a smooth line. It's a smooth line. That's, our lives are like lines. First, there are no sharp corners in this line in your life. God's work in you is smooth. Got it? It's smooth. God doesn't jerk you around. God doesn't suddenly change his overall purpose for your life. That doesn't happen. What God is doing in your life today relates to what he did yesterday, and it relates to what he's doing tomorrow. Continuity. Some people might say, well, brand new year, 2024 coming up tomorrow. There's continuity. Oh, sure, God knows in our minds it's a new year. He understands that. He doesn't think that way. Well, the things I was teaching you on this last day of 2023, I'm going to be teaching you the next day. Continuity. You see? That's what we're saying here. That's what we need to understand. There are no breaks in God's work in your life. He doesn't forget about you for five minutes or an hour or a day or a week. God is continually, personally working in your life. We know the verse, Ephesians 2.10, God, uh, we are God's workmanship. And that means all the time. The verse that really says it is John 5.17. It says, Jesus thought, my father is always at his work and I too am working. And you might sometimes think, and I, I thought this, Lord, this is really hard. Can you let up a little bit in your work? Just give me a break. You know, you ever thought that? This is too hard, too difficult. I don't like this trial. Can you just leave me alone? I thought that. Point is, God knows what he's doing. He's smooth. He's kind. He's patient. All these things. 
Proverbs 16.9 says, man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. So you may think about different things that you may want to do. You may plan different things you want to do. And I'm not saying that you should not do this, but what you must understand more so then is that God ordains and plans out everything in your life. And it says he directs every step. That's something you all understand, you know, this, some of you have these watches and stuff, and you take so many steps a day. I'm going to take 5,000 steps today. And then at the end of the day, wow, you don't remember all your steps, do you? Well, I did 5,000. God not only knows every step you took, but he directed it. Isn't that something? This, this is powerful. Whoa. Just sitting out down here, and I'm doing what I want. Not quite how God works with our desires and thoughts and his plans is hard to comprehend. So God's work in your life is not then just continuous and smooth. It is purposeful. God has a reason for the work that he does in your life, and it relates to all that he wants to do. Is a reason. We're all very similar. We're all very different. The lives we have are quite unique, quite different. Even if you're a married couple, well, Husband and wife, similar, but there's a lot of differences. Okay, God's work is so special, and we need to see that. Now, God's work in your life may not seem smooth, may not seem continuous, may not seem purposeful, but it is. This verse that I've shared before, you know, I believe, the steps of man are ordained by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his way? You can't always understand what God is doing. You can't. You just can't. And you won't. Some things you do, some things you don't. We're talking about the works and ways of God. You can't figure it out. But God's in charge. He knows what he's doing. He knows what is best. This great verse here. Classic verse you need to hang on to. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. Who is among you that fears the Lord? I assume the people in this room fear the Lord. Who among you... That obeys the voice of his servant. I assume you guys fear the Lord and obey the Lord. Then it says that walks in darkness. You're a godly Christian. You're fearing God. You're obeying God. And you're in darkness. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying all the time, but there's a situation. It's dark. I know what's going on here. What's Isaiah say there? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So in all this, we're talking about the element of faith, too talking about the works and ways of God, trusting God, helping us. Because as you know this, sometimes you wish you do the big picture, but sometimes it's probably better you don't know, okay? God is your father, says, I'm not going to tell you everything. You don't need to know now. I'll tell you in due time. The point is, trust the Lord. He'll come through for you. Okay. Back to Psalm 77, verse 11 to 15. I'm not going to read this again, but I just want to mention a couple things about these verses. First of all, we see again the character of God. It is so predominant in the, the scriptures, particularly in the Psalms. And, and we learn that God is holy. We learn that God is great, that he is powerful. We learn that he is merciful. And in the context, this greatness and power and mercy relates to God then redeeming these Jewish people, these Israelites, redeeming them, delivering them from, from their problems, really from the enemy, from Egypt. When you think about this, it's, it's, sort of, it's, it's really sad. Their story 
is that they had been in bondage, what, 300 years, 400 years in Egypt. It was not going good, especially towards the end. It was not a good thing. Okay, then comes Moses, and God says, Moses, I want you and Aaron to go and get these people out of here, deliver them stuff, we'll help you out. And you know the story, you know the process. It's interesting. You go to, you go to Exodus, and Exodus 2, where you start really reading into this problem, and then it goes on, and the actual deliverance takes place in eight chapters. That's 7 to 14, Exodus 7 to 14. Eight long chapters of this process of these different acts and works that result then in the way of God that is being delivered. So people look back and think, wow, we got out of Egypt and got, went through the Red Sea. It was a lot more than that. There was hundreds of years going on of problems and difficulty and the raising up of Moses and Aaron and, and all these different plagues that took place. And that, wow, this is not easy. And so they get through. They get out through the Red Sea and they get in the desert. And they're in the desert. They go, whoa. We don't like this food. Let's go back to Egypt. They forgot. They forgot how hard it was for their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents. Man, it was bad. And they didn't remember, they understand the, the, the promise of God. I'm taking to the, to the land. You, you, I've been doing this in my blog. So many verses on the land about two or three weeks ago. Verse after verse after verse about the promised land. I took you out of there. Now you're in the desert and you're going to the land. They forgot all that. They forgot the past. They didn't remember the future. They forgot. And see, that's what I'm saying about our lives. We need to make sure we see the big picture. Where we've come from, where we're going, and we get stuck sometimes right in this day. We're stuck. We're stuck. Remember where God has brought you from. Remember where God is taking you to. So so important. Of course, we know what happened in those 40 years. A lot of people were rebellious, and all the people, I think, says on over 20, except for Joshua, Caleb, a couple, had to die in the desert because of their disobedience, their unbelief. That's what took place. God doesn't like that, so that'd be a lesson to us to not be like that. And so, of course, the example for us is, is God redeems us, has mercy on us, but sometimes we forget where we came from. Don't you remember when you weren't saved? Don't you, don't you understand how bad it would be if you're an unbeliever? Don't you understand the purpose you'd have if God didn't deliver you? We forget it. I mean, why do we have communion every once a month? To remember the work of God, the salvation. Remember, then, the ways of God. It's so, so important that we see this. Psalm 103 Let's go back there. Verse 8, we, 7, we saw God made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. And then you see the end, the, 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 well, that next verse. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. So we see here, we understand the works and ways of God, what he's doing. And then we read these verses again, this emphasis on, on God's character, his compassion, his graciousness, which basically also could mean his mercy. Slow to anger means that God is patient, and then that he's loving, and not just loving, but abounding or great in loving kindness. That's the thing we need to see. You know, some people, I mentioned before, people have resolutions or goals for the year. And you might say, well, I just want to get to know God better. That's a great goal. We should have that every day of the week. You know, like Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. I want to know him relationally, personally. I want to know Christ. I want to love him and trust him and all these different wonderful things. And so, so the point is, so this year, teach, ask God to teach you his character. And it may be the simplest thing. You can get, a, you can get some 
attribute books, which are wonderful. Some of my favorite books are the attributes of God. I got a couple titles to give you. you want that's they're good, but you know probably the simplest thing, the simplest thing is what we're talking about here is think about the works of God in your life. Think about the ways of God in your life. That then will show you the character of God. Not only that, and with that then, if you're reading the Word and hopefully you're reading the Word about every day or every day or whenever, is when you're reading the Word, say I'm looking for the character of God in this passage. Maybe a piece of paper, maybe it's on your computer. You just write it down. So for all year, a little notebook, hey, that, there's that verse there, Ephesians, whatever, you know, Deuteronomy, whatever. And hey, that, that's the character of God. That's a good thing to do, to really get the character of God in our heart. We, we need to understand God's character. And that's what we see just said again and again in these verses. And of course, then knowing God's character moves us to praise and worship God. It also then moves us, enables us to trust him. That verse I've said so many times, those who know thy name, those who know thy character will put their trust in thee. If you're lacking faith, if you're lacking faith, it very well be, may be that you're not thinking about the character of God. It may be that you're not really thinking about the works and ways of God in your life, okay? Very simple thing. And faith is so important. We started today by looking at Psalm 145. We want to finish by looking at 145. Let's go back there. It's a wonderful psalm, number of different themes here. I'll work through a few here. Verses 1 and 2, I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I'll praise your name forever and ever. It's the conclusion of the psalm. Oftentimes you see in the psalms the conclusion is first. And then the psalm's written. Then the conclusion is oftentimes then given at the end, too. It's the beginning of the end. And the conclusion is what? The conclusion of this whole message is what? <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, and praise the Lord and his name, that is his character. So you're praising God himself and praising his character every day. That's a good goal. I'm going to praise God every day this year. I've been saying, well, shouldn't that be automatic? Well, it's not always automatic. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get in our own wrong ways. Say, Lord, I'm going to praise you every day, whether that's just a sentence or a song or some combination thereof, every day. I'm going to praise you. And that's what it said. You should do that. Praise you, you and your name every day and forever and ever and ever. Isn't that something? That's that's conclusion right there. Okay, next we go to 4 to 7. Read these again. Over verse 3. Great is the Lord. Highly be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. Okay? So you to meditate on God's wonderful works. We, 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 we say this and, and it's true. Psalm 1, 2, Psalm 119. We're to meditate on God's word. That's true. But you're also to meditate on God's works. That's what we're saying here. And it also says this. We're to then excitedly and joyfully tell others about the works of God. We're talking about you thinking about God's works that you see. It could be, could be something in the country that's going on. I see things, and I, I believe, not always perfectly, but oftentimes spiritualized. That is, what is God doing in this country? And I have a lot of thoughts. I'll tell you more in another month or two. What's going on in this country? Whoa. Okay. So God is doing a wonderful work in this country. It may not seem wonderful, but he is. He is. God, indeed, is one who is working. We're to tell others about these wonderful, mighty works, whether it's our own life or family or something in the church. We're to tell others. 
6 to 9. Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness. Lord is good to all. His mercy is over, over all his works. Again, we see God's character. I cannot emphasize this enough. All these different psalms, Psalm 77 and, and here in, in 145 and 103, that, that little four or five phrase of, of God's grace and mercy and loving kindness and his patience, it appears time and time again. So we learn these things. In fact, there's, I think I got eight in these few verses. God is powerful, great, full of goodness. He's righteous. He's also gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abundant loving kindness. Eight different character qualities. Wow, that's something. Very important. Finally, we're to thank God for who he is and for what he does. That's verse 10. It says, all the works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. That means you. You're a work of God. All your works shall give thanks. We're to give thanks and we're to give praise. I'll go to verses 11 to 13. Thou shalt speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. What's God doing? We've looked at a number of psalms here, and all that we talked about really, essence, relates to God's purpose. God was doing things, Psalm 77, delivering the people, you know, redemption, all the, God's doing things. So it relates to the works, work of God, and, 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 most generally, but I can say it specifically, the work of God is building his kingdom. That's it. Back to the beginning, Adam and Eve, clear up to the end of this age, this world. He's building his kingdom. That's it. He's building his kingdom, and as believers, we are members of his kingdom. We are kingdom people. We are church people, but also kingdom people. And during this church age, we know that Christ is building the church, and he's building the kingdom. That's what he's doing. And he does that most specifically by working in your life. If you're his child, he's not going to give up on you, okay? Like I said before, you may say, I'm going to take a break from this being Christian for a while. This is too much. I've just been too hard lately, Lord. God doesn't do that. He's working in your life. He's revealing himself to you, giving you all the grace you need to be into all that he wants you to do, showing you his works and his mighty acts and his, in his loving ways and his glorious purposes, all these things God is doing. That is what is taking place. And we read then about the glory. I love this phrase, the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. The glory of the majesty of your kingdom. And God's kingdom is glorious. This is big picture stuff. God's kingdom is glorious because God is glorious. Because God makes it glorious. And all of us as believers have a little bit of God's glory in us. Read about that in the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in the first part of 2 Corinthians 4, that God would share some of his glory with us is amazing and wonderful. So we talk about the kingdom. You know the verse in Matthew 6, 33, 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So what's your job? You're here. That verse is for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. To, to simply say, just to sum up a few things, well, share the gospel by your life, by your witness by your words. Also, use the grace that God gives you. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, and grace is needed for everything you do as a Christian. Thirdly, then, use the gifts God gives you to do the work God 
wants you to do. All of you are uniquely gifted by God, and I think it relates to this church. The gifts that God gives you relate to this church. So you share the gospel by your life and words. You use God's grace to do what he wants, and you also then use the gifts to do what he wants you to do. So as we finish 2023, we're ready to start 2024. I encourage you, and Steve said this before, and thought about, yeah, we could take all day if we really started thinking. And so I would encourage you to take some time today. Okay, you got, what, another six, ten hours at least before you go to bed, maybe 11, maybe 12 with the noise at midnight. Can you not take 30 minutes or maybe an hour? Can you not do that? 30 minutes or an hour for God? To think back what he has done, whether it's your family or whether it's you or whether it's his church, it's that you need to do that, okay? That's what God wants. And again, it's the kind of thing I would trust and you get in a pattern as you go through this year where every day it may be that Psalm 23, 6. And every week you take just 30 minutes. It's part of your new, I believe, good routine. Think back over the week, the things that happened. And you're seeing works and you're seeing the works of God. You're seeing the, the ways of God in your life and the lives of others. And of course, you know that God's been faithful to you in 2023. And sometimes we have problems, okay? Some people have what's called, you've heard the PTSD or just PSD throughout the traumatic. It's not quite so traumatic. It's still stressful. It's post-stress disorder, okay? Okay. A lot of that relates to this right here. You've not processed things correctly with the Lord. Or maybe sometimes you need somebody else to help you out process what's going on that's been hard. You need to do that. I really, really, really mean that. It really relates to what we're saying right here today. Processing. That's what God wants for you. And, of course, we start this new year, know that God has more work for you to do. This is kingdom work. That's what we're saying. I look back at the year. I'm just going to say a few things very quickly, then close with the verse, and we're done for the day. I look back and I, I think of, of God's continued work in my life and my wife's life, and that's been good. I feel like we're drawing closer together. He's helping us, using us, you know, Friday night there in the, you know, the, my office. Get this printer going, you know, I need this, you know. Different things, okay? I, I think, too, then, of, of, um, of just your lives, the church here. God's working all year. I, and I don't know how God works. I mean, his work is so much more detailed and specific and wonderful than I could ever think. But he's doing a work in his church. There's no doubt about it in our lives and collectively and individually and family-wise. That's what God is doing. I think of the blog, probably close to 100,000 people have looked at it from over 100 different countries. That's encouraging. So I think about that, people all over the world. And I, I think of a few highlights, and it's good to do this too. What are some of the highlights? I, I have just a handful here. Go back to September 9th when I went up to Iowa, a wonderful time, that 40-year reunion with people that I knew back, you know, 40 years ago. It's wonderful. And, of course, October 2nd when we had the official transfer of the property from us to Bethel. That was amazing. And, that, again, that's just not one day. That's a result of really years in the making. Me first meeting Raphael at his house over there in Hubert Street seven or eight years ago to when he came up here about four years ago and said, can I rent here? And he did, and then thinking about it. It's a whole process. God's, his works all result in his way of that transfer, and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing that's going on. And in fact, we'll, we might share more about this, but you know, they've 
God has been gracious, and they've got access to some funds, thousands and thousands of dollars, to start fixing a few things up here. You know, I mean, I'm saying this, this building's in terrible shape, but, you know, it could use some work, a little fixing up here and there. So that's a good thing. That's, that's, uh, that's a wonderful thing. Of course, October um, 10th, when our granddaughter was born, very, very encouraging. We saw them, Laura Kaysen, this past week, and that was a wonderful, a little baby. It's really something. It's really something. <laughs> Hard to, uh, anyway. And the final thing, that my son got engaged last Wednesday, December 27th. So that young lady you might have met last week, Daniela, Danny, uh, they were out taking a walk in our neighborhood and about 4 o'clock Wednesday afternoon, and he got down on his knees and asked her, and she said yes. Okay, so that's encouraging. So they're planning a wedding here sometime in the near future. They're, they're not the kind that want to wait six months or a year. Uh, they want to be together, and hopefully two, three, four months we'll see it. So pray for that, because they're actually, they're actually thinking today about where it should be, Houston or Gainesville or Tampa. Those are the three different venues, so we don't know. I'm sort of hoping here, but, you know, whatever... Whatever the Lord wants, he is good. So with that, then, let's just finish with the last part of Psalm 145. Might as well read the whole thing. 14 to 21. The Lord sustains all who fall and raise up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for just these few thoughts, and I pray you'd help myself and each of us here, Lord, to apply these others that are listening on, Lord, to apply these truths about how to think rightly about life and the past and how that then affects our present day and the future. But, but thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for you being the God you are. I, I, I think of this word so often, patience. Patience with me, patience with us. And just continue love. Lord, and, 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 and faithfulness, we thank you for that. All the things you did in our lives individually, in our families, in this church, really, and all over the world. We just thank you, Lord, that you love us and lead us, and we're your children, children of God. And you love us much more than we can ever realize. Thank you for you, Lord Jesus, your dying for us, being raised again. Thank you for loving us so much and interceding for us in prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in us will be in us forever and ever and ever. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. What a wonderful, what a wonderful relationship that we have with you. Just help us here, Lord, each one of us here in our relationship with you and then with one another. Just lead us, God, this next year, uh, tomorrow and today and then tomorrow and the rest of the year, Lord, we give it to you. Some people think about one day is different than the other day. Oh, someday, well, tomorrow's a brand new day. Well, yes, it's also this continuation of just the life you've given us. But thank you again. We ask for your leading, your blessing, your protecting upon all of us. Use us, God, for your purposes and glory. We also pray for Bethel. Help them, Father, as they move ahead in different plans and projects they have for this, this, this structure here. Just give them grace and wisdom and help them spiritually, most importantly, spiritually. 
and building into people's lives, young people and old. But thank you again for your love for us, God. Just thank you so much for this church. Just want to commit all this to you now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.